0: Here's Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective.
1: My name's Diamond, and I'm in business for a very simple reason. I like money. Oh, sure, I could do better, but I don't believe in straining myself. I might make a few bucks more, but so what? You work harder, your back gets weaker, and you take that extra couple of bucks and spend it for a brace to keep you from folding in the middle. No, I got a little one-room office that leans out over Broadway, and I'm very happy. Sometimes I get a case that lasts a week... A hundred bucks a day in expenses, and I make enough to pay the rent. Take my girl, Helen Asher, to dinner a couple of times and rest my feet on the desk like a prosperous businessman. I'm in partnership with a shill called Human Nature. And with him on my side, it just figures that people are going to get in trouble. Like the character who's ringing the doorbell of an apartment on the east side. He's built just right for more trouble than he can handle.
2: Hello, Mrs. Moran.
3: You say that like you're really glad to see me.
2: I'll let you know as soon as we can talk business.
3: Did you bring a rubber hose along?
2: Why? Are you going to be hard to get along with?
3: This time, yes.
2: Where's your husband?
3: He went out. I tried to convince him the window was the quickest way to the street, but he's old-fashioned. He took the elevator.
2: You're drunk.
3: You can't get a vet out of me. Want a drink?
2: Just get the 500. I don't want to be around when your old man gets back.
3: You couldn't afford that, could you?
2: No, and I don't think you could either, baby. Now let's stop playing games, Mrs. Moran.
3: I've got a big, fat surprise for you, Mac.
2: Keep it in small bills. Isn't
3: that funny? That's your surprise. Yeah? Yeah. You don't get the money. You get something else.
2: Stop yelling. You'll have the whole building up here in a minute.
3: It'll be up anyway, Mac. A gunshot makes people curious.
2: Now, wait a minute. You don't have to pull a gun. I don't
3: have to do anything. And I'm breaking myself of one habit right now. I'm through paying your dirty blackmail. Now,
2: you know I got my orders. If I don't collect, someone else will be around. Come on, give me the gun.
3: Sure. A piece of the time. I need a drink. Well, here's to nothing, Betty, old girl.
4: Oh. x read all about
5: it. Mac Grayson shot to death in blackmail plot. Socialite, Betty Moran kills gangster, then takes own life. Read all about it. Paper. I can Oh, paper, mister? Yeah.
6: Hey, I'll uh, give the chair. Oh, thanks. Wealthy wife of William Moran kills... Well, I have to call Mr. Moran. No sense to lose a good source of income.
1: Yeah, come in. Over here. Oh, this clothesline, I, I couldn't see you. Do you always do your laundry in your office? Free soap. Pull up a chair, Mr. Uh, Moran. Uh, William Moran. Oh. Mm. Nice pair of Argyle's. One of my old clients. Sends them down from Sing Sing. Have you read the morning papers, Mr. Diamond? I haven't had time. Took some throw rugs down to the laundry mat before I started on the socks. My wife died last night. What did you eat for breakfast? Why, uh... Pancakes and eggs? Why? You must eat a whole pig when you're not in mourning. How did she die? She was shot to death. Couldn't she get two people for a pyramid club? She was being blackmailed. It's usually the other way around. The victim shoots the blackmailer. She did that. His name was Mac Grayson. Hmm? I want you to find the other man behind this blackmail ring. What makes you think there was more than one? I received an anonymous phone call this morning. It was from a man who said he was a friend of Mac Grayson. He made it perfectly clear that he was going to continue with the blackmail. You uh, know what they had on your wife? She was a very wealthy woman, Mr. Diamond. Before she married me, she was rather... wild. Well, they get that way sometimes. There were some letters. Why don't you go to the police? As far as they're concerned, the case is closed. They say it's a murder and a suicide, and that's that. But I want to get the people who drove my wife to suicide. Okay, Mr. Moran, but if you want me to try and dig up your blackmailers, my fee is rather high. I want to start sending my laundry out. Money is no object. That's the nicest thing you could have said. A hundred dollars a day and a fifth of plasma. Plasma, Mr. Diamond? A hundred proof. I never know what I'm going to run into in a case like this. I may bleed a little. You can reach me at Evergreen 45021. I'll write you a check. Here, uh, use my pen. It's getting an inferiority complex. Do you know anything more about this man who called you this morning? Only that he said he was a friend of Mac Grayson's. Uh, There you are, Mr. Diamond. This should be enough of a retainer. Oh, yes, yes. And uh, that's all you know? I'm sorry I can't be of more help. Oh, you've been a brick. I'll get the rest from homicide. Thank you, and goodbye, Mr. Moran. Goodbye, Mr. Diamond, and good luck. Oh, I'm sorry I knocked down some of your washing. Uh, there. Well, I'll be
6: hearing from you.
1: Well, that's the way it goes. One minute you're washing socks, and the next you've got enough money to stake out a claim on every night spot from Mott Street to Harlem unless a particular blackmail ring likes to kill private detectives. I had a hunch the assignment might run into overtime, so I put in a call to a lovely redhead named Helen Asher. Francis the butler answered, and I told him to pass the word along that I might be late for my date. I hung up before Helen could get on the pipe and start screaming at me like a wounded eagle. I locked the office, went down to 5th precinct, and an old friend, Lieutenant Levinson... He was in charge of the homicide detail and could tell me about the late Mrs. Moran and her victim. When I walked in, Sergeant Otis was polishing his billy. Hello, Otis. The lieutenant in? Well, Richard Diamond, the All-American gumshoe. Oh, you're just jealous because that club you've got is a better shape than your head. Lieutenant, Diamond's out here. Okay, send him in. Tell me, Shamus, how does one get to be a great big private detective? Saving box tops? Well, you have to observe things, Otis, my boy. For instance, one look at your shirt, and I can tell you've been eating well for a week. Why don't you either get it cleaned or stick it in a pressure cooker? Hello, Walt. Now wait a minute, Rick. If you've got a body somewhere, take it to another precinct. Well, I'm a little short right now, but maybe I can dig one up.
4: <laughs> what is that? Yeah,
6: I that was a swell one. Is this just a social visit or am I a dreamer? It's about the Moran suicide. You handle it? Uh huh. One of the neighbors called us. They're both dead to the notice on a double date. What about the Grayson guy she knocked off? Cheap, a uh, couple of convictions. He. Oh, don't tell me Moran's been to you with that blackmail story. Yeah, yeah. He seems to think Grayson was working with someone. Rick, that guy pestered us all morning, but there's no proof of blackmail or anything else, except two people got killed.
1: Give me a quick rundown.
6: I don't know why you're interested. I think Moran drummed up the blackmail theory just to cover that his wife was running around with another man.
1: Well, I'm interested because Moran gave me a fat 200 bucks in advance to get me in the spirit of the thing.
6: Well, if you want to be bored, here are the photographs of the deal. Here's Mac Grayson. Mm. Bullet entered his chest just below the 10th rib. was are thirty-two, Same one that the Moran dame used on herself. Enough powder burns on his shirt to show that she was standing pretty close when she gave it to him. She'd have to be, not to miss him. Uh, you can see she was lying about ten feet from Grayson, near the bar. Huh? Probably needed a stiff shot before she knocked herself off. That's the highball glass on the floor near her head. And that's the thirty-two she used, about six inches from her right hand, and only her prints on it.
1: Powder burns on the girl?
6: Sure, all over her temple. We did the paraffin test on her hand, too. She fired the gun all right. Did uh, Grayson have any friends? We never tied him up with anyone except an old wino that hangs out on Skid Row. A dump called the Power Club. Named Wilbur Truitt. Mm-hmm. Now. Yeah. Well, thanks, Walt. Now, look. The dame killed the guy and then shot herself. What more do you want? I'll let you know. Now, wait a minute. I know that gleam in your eye. I always get a sour stomach from it. If you've got something, you'd better tell me. Oh, you're a cynic, Walt. Have you, uh, have you talked to this Wilbur Truitt? We questioned him this morning. Got a tail on him? Sure, but he won't take us anywhere. Now, what are you cooking up? Well, maybe you think there's something to Moran's blackmail story. Oh, don't be an idiot. Then what are you tailing Truett for? Because I can't take a chance. Blackmail's a federal rap, and if Moran keeps stirring up trouble, I want to be able to prove he's nuts. Now, you look here. I want to know what's on your mind. I'll send you a letter. Oh, Otis! Yeah, Lieutenant. Get me my bicarbonate. And shut up. Bye. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.
1: I went through the squad room and out into the hall. I used the payphone by the door and put in a fast call to my client, William Moran. I had a hunch and Moran's $200 retainer in my pocket gave him an A priority on it. Yes? Mr. Moran. That's right. Now, this is Diamond, Mr. Moran. Uh-huh. I've got a lead on someone who knew Mac Grayson. Well, that's fine, Mr. Diamond. Who is it? a guy who hangs out on Skid Row named Wilbert Truett. Ever heard of him? No. Oh. Well, he might have been the one who phoned you this morning. I I think I'll go down and find out.
6: Good, good. You'll keep in touch, won't you?
1: Oh, as long as I'm on the case. Goodbye, Mr. Moran. I left the 5th precinct and headed for Skid Row. If you've never seen the street, it's a liberal education in the misery of human beings. Even the sun winds up with a hangover if it shines on the place too long. The Parrot Club was a cellar with a low ceiling and a drink of wine for ten cents a glass. The smell of stale alcohol was so strong that if you opened the, opened the door to air the place out, the walls would probably cave in. I found Wilbur Truitt sitting at the bar with a dirty towel around his neck. He held the towel and a glass of wine in one hand, and with the other he pulled the towel, lifting his hand and the glass up to his
2: mouth. <coughs> you must have been an engineer. I learned this little stunt in grammar school, Bucko. I started missing my mouth 30 years ago, so I use this towel as a sort of alcohol pulley. It cuts down the element of risk. Hate to spill a drop. You know a guy named Grayson? It's the shakes, Bucko. I am completely exhausted after a night of revelry and my hand waves like it was flagging down a caravan of whiskey trucks. Look, friend, But uh... after one or two pick-me-ups, I am perfectly capable of lifting the glass by myself. And come nightfall, I'm in excellent condition to entertain my little friends. Oh, swell. Most cowards let the little fellows frighten them and they end up in Bellevue, but... I liked them. They worried me at first, but when they found out how much I drank, they began to show the strain, and the shoe was on the other foot, so to speak. Oh, no. They tried to frighten me the first night, but I just kept right on with one bottle after another, and it finally drove them to drink. Now my DTs have hallucinations. We are rapidly building up a thriving community. What were you saying, Bucko? Uh,
1: something about the evils of self-indulgence, but I've forgotten now. Good.
2: In that case, I will let you buy me a drink. Oh, sure. Waiter, bring the bottle. You just gave me cold chills. If I lick your hand, it's only a sign of fond endearment.
1: Okay. Now, uh, do you know a guy named Grayson?
2: I knew there was a catch. Are you a cop? No. In that case, I trust you. Besides, you are holding that lovely bottle. What about Grayson? First, a small glass of truth serum. First, Grayson. I can't stand to look, so I will turn my back on the bottle and tell you what I know. Mr. Mac Grayson... A very unsavory character who reached a sudden demise last evening, dealt in smutty pasts and made them pay off by milking his victims. He has only one friend, a Mr. Leo Fink. Now, please, I'm beginning to spit out wads of cotton. Where does this Fink live? You are indeed a heartless rogue. I was once. You aren't by any chance a spy from the Purity League? You get the bottle when I find out where Leo Fink lives. 11-22nd Avenue, now, please. Oh, here you are. Don't <laughs> struggle with the cork, Bucko. I have just acquired the strength of an uncropped Samson. And as I gaze upon this ruby goblet, I am reminded of the fact that you are not the first to come seeking the whereabouts of one Leo Fink. Huh? Play it back in English. Ah, a thug with the disagreeable habit of twisting my ascot approached me not ten minutes before you came in... seeking the same information. Did you give it to him? I had to. One more pull on my tie... and dissipation would have been a thing of the past. Thanks, Wilbur. Here, buy yourself another jug. Oh, bless you. And good morrow, cousin. Here's to my love. Oh, true apothecary. Thy drugs are quick... Thus, with a kiss, I die.
1: I left Wilbur with his first love and walked out on the street. I grabbed a cab and headed for Leo Fink's address. All the way over, I kept thinking how wonderful fresh air really was. When we finally got there, I paid off the cabbie and looked at my watch. It was 4.30, and the city was turning soft and mellow as the sun started giving up behind the tall buildings. I got that lousy feeling again when I looked across the street. A prowl car was parked at the curb, and it looked like Homicide's private limousine. Something was wrong. I went up to Fink's apartment in a hurry. Yeah? Ah, what do you want, Shamus? Well, good afternoon, Sergeant. I'm taking the census. How long ago did you die, sir? Very funny, Diamond. Otis, who is that? Diamond, who else?
6: I didn't ask for a quick quiz on well-known personalities. Let him in.
1: Yeah, Lieutenant. Shame on you, Otis. You'll never make an Eagle Scout. Hello, Rick. What do you want? I bet he's dead. You'll bet who's dead. You know who's dead. Sure, I know who's dead. Who do you think is dead? The guy I came up here to see. Well, who did you come up to see? Well, I think it's a guy who's dead. Don't you know? No, I ask you. Well, I'm telling you. You told me nothing. Look, why are you up here? Because I'm looking for a guy. What guy? I think it's the guy who's dead. Who's dead? Oh, he's on third. Don't you know? I think I know, Lieutenant. You shut up. Of course I know. Well, all right, all right. If you're gonna hold out on your old pal. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute.
6: How did we get into this thing? Otis! Here's your bicarbonate, all mixed. All right, now let's start again. Walt, who's dead? Oh, let's not have two bodies up here. The guy's name is Fink. Leo Fink. Uh, why did you say that in the first place? Because I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. Walt. Lieutenant Levinson. Now, what are you doing up here? Oh, I came up to see Leo Fink, that's all. Well, he's in the other room. If he spills anything, don't believe it.
1: He's been dead for ten minutes. That's too bad. He knew Mac Grayson. Yeah, how did you find out? That sweet old gentleman you sent me over to, Wilbur Truitt. Oh, you got something out of him, huh? What else did he tell you? Nothing, but we uh, struck up quite a friendship. I'm going to go back over and see what another bottle of wine will do to his memory. I'd better haul him in. Oh, don't do it, Walt, don't do it. I can find out things a lot quicker. Shh, I got a system. Okay, but keep me posted.
6: Huh? I've got to clean up here. How did Fink get it? Two bullets in the head. No idea who gave it to him. They
1: used a luger, I think. Hey, have you questioned Otis? Oh, go on, get out of here. Walt, tell me, did you check the prints on that highball glass next to Mrs. Moran to find out whether they were from her right or left hand? Now, what difference does it make? I'll let you know. Now, you wait a minute. Now I can't. I'm behind schedule now. Bye.
6: Oh,
2: Otis! <laughs>
1: went downstairs in a hurry and started back to Skid Row and Wilbur Truitt. I turned a corner and had a quick change of heart.
2: That's far enough, Seamus.
1: Wow. Well, wow, well, look what I picked up. All right. Get into this alley. Now, why don't you put that cannon away? It shows up like a pair of gums at a dentist convention.
2: Turn around and get going.
1: I can run if it would help. Take your time. You haven't got too much of it left. Stop nudging. You got a coal barrel. Don't you like it? No, but it helps. A lesson in the manly art of self-defense. Next time, don't get so close with a gun. Well, what do you know? A
2: Luger. Okay, so so I'm a Butterfingers. You got the gun now. What are you going to do?
1: I got a mean streak, and it shows up when someone tries to kill me. I'm going to ask a couple of questions, and if you don't answer them, you'll wish you'd picked on an octopus. Now get up. Oh, you're a big one. Now, who sent you after me? I don't know. Who sent you after me?
2: Honest, I don't know. Uh, Wait, wait a second. All right, the guy told me on the phone his name was Jones. Sure, first name's John. Now, wait, wait. I I know it's a phony, but he was recommended. You get paid for your work, don't you? Yeah, but this one I collect after
1: the job. Where? I thought you'd gotten over that stubborn streak. Okay, Uh, uh, the 8 o'clock ferry to Staten Island... He's going to slip me two bills. And you don't know his right name? No. Did you know Mac Grayson?
2: I heard of him, but I never met him.
1: Are you as handy with the thirty-two as you are with that Luger? Huh? Forget it. Next question. Who killed Leo Fink?
2: That's a pretty big
1: one. Okay, I'll word it differently. Who killed Leo Fink? I'll take the beating. Yeah. Well, I got to hunch this Luger of yours will check with ballistics. Come on. Homicide's still up in Fink's apartment. Nuts. What did you say? Okay. I hustled Louie up to Walt and left him handcuffed to Sergeant Otis. They deserved each other. Louie said he was going to be paid off at 8 o'clock, and my watch said it was a quarter after 7. That gave me 45 minutes to check at Homicide and still catch the ferry to Staten Island. The fingerprint man at the fifth precinct put the prints from the highball glass under a microscope and told me what I wanted to know. My hunch had been right. So I grabbed a cab and 20 minutes later I was paying for my ticket at the ferry landing. A thick wet fog was beginning to roll in off the river and by 8 o'clock it was hard to even see your watch. Someone was playing a piano in the lounge as the ferry began to move slowly across the river. I didn't know who I was looking for. But I figured if there was going to be a payoff, it would be outside. I leaned against the rail and took out a cigarette. Got the match, mister? Huh? Yeah, yeah, right here. Thanks. Lousy night. Yeah. He wasn't my man. When he struck the match, I could see his dirty work clothes and his factory badge. I started down the other side of the boat. Finding a killer in that fog was like looking for your car keys in a mine shaft. I reached the bow of the boat, and right then I knew I was about to score. I get a tight feeling in my stomach when I start closing in on danger. I spotted the dark outline at the rail, so I pulled my hat down and walked up beside him. He was hunched over with his arms resting on the rail. Terrible night.
4: Mm-hmm. It'd
1: be awful if you had to find someone in this fog. Not if he found you first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like the name Louis Osgood. Have you heard of it? I like the name Moran, William Moran. Who are you? Just an employee. Diamond? Yeah, you get a gold star. Well, what do you want? Uh, Have you found the blackmailers? Now, stop playing Alice in Wonderland. I just pushed around your hired goneth, Louis Osgood. He had enough to say to put you away for a long time. He couldn't have. He didn't know Didn't know your name? Who murdered your wife, you or Louis Osgood? Why do you say murder? The police said it was suicide. Well, I got news for you, Buster. Homicide just changed its mind. I checked and found out that the highball glass near her head was covered with prints from her right hand. What does that prove? It proves that to take her own life, she'd have to have fingers a foot long. The prints on the gun were also from her right hand. You're going to tell me that your wife shot herself while holding a highball glass in the same hand? That's not my problem, Mr. Diamond. Well, I think it is. If Louis Osgood didn't shoot her, that leaves just one suspect, you. Now, let's take a walk back to the cabin. I want to keep an eye on you for homicide. All right. All right.
6: This is where I leave you, Mr. Diamond. Hey, come here.
1: I hadn't thought he'd make a break, but as long as he had a gun and knew how to use it, I could understand why he did. I got my gun out and took off after him. I expected him to go over the side and in the fog, and he'd have a good chance. But when a guy gets cornered, he does funny things. I never would have spotted him, but he threw open a door and framed himself in the light from the inside. I must have caught him because I saw him start to fold and stagger through the door. I took my time getting there. A wounded man with a gun can get pretty mean sometimes. The door swung back and forth with the motion of the boat, and I could hear the sound of the engines. He'd gone down in the engine room, so I dropped to my knees and went in after him. A long, polished ladder led down to the big diesels below, and I knew I'd hit him with the first shot because there was a bright red trail of blood leading down the ladder and behind the churning machinery. Moran! Oh, Moran, come on out! You can't get out of
4: here.
6: Come and get me, Diamond. I don't like being slapped around, and I'm going to see that you get yours.
1: He was somewhere off to my left and keeping himself hidden. A catwalk circled the engine room, so I pulled an old stunt. I took a wrench off the wall and tossed it down the metal ladder. I watched for his gun flashes, and when I spotted his position, I got down on my stomach and crawled along the catwalk until I was directly over his head. He was sitting in a lot of blood. And he didn't look like he had long to go.
6: Come on, Diamond,
1: I know you're down here. Surprise, look at the birdie. What? Don't try it. Oh. Sorry, Moran, but this just wasn't your night. You want to tell me about it? I shot my wife. I came in just after she shot Grayson. and She was standing at the bar with her back to me mixing a drink. She dropped the gun by Grayson's body, so I picked it up to shot her. Wiped my prints off and put hers on it. Why did you do it? I hated her. She had money. I found some letters and turned them over to Mac Grayson, the well-known blackmailer. I wanted him to drive her crazy until she drank herself into a sanitarium. Then I'd have her money. I never guessed she'd kill Grayson, but when I did, I saw a chance to kill her and make it look like suicide. You should never have called me. The police were satisfied. I had to find Leo Fink. He knew I'd hired Grayson... He was going to blackmail me. So when I dug up the little whiner that knew Fink, you hired Louis Osgood to bump Fink and me, is that right? Hey, hey, Moran. Oh, well, it was a dull conversation anyway. Lousy night. (laughs) The captain came and helped me carry him up to the deck. Back at the ferry landing, I called Walt Levinson and told him the whole story. I didn't wait around. I just hung up in the middle of his lecture on good behavior and started walking. A stiff breeze was kicking up and pushing the fog back where it came from. After a good round of murder, a guy likes to relax. And I knew just the place to curl up and get my fur brushed. I grabbed a cab and headed for 975 Park Avenue. And the only girl in the world who looked better than her $10 million bank account.
2: Oh, good evening, Mr. Diamond. Hello,
1: Francis. Is Miss Asher in?
6: Yes, sir. She's in the library.
1: Thanks. Get me a glass of milk, will you, Francis?
3: Milk?
4: Oh, yes, sir. Right
3: away.
1: Hey, that's a B-flat.
3: Rick, where have you
1: been? Sailing, sailing over the bounding main. Move over. You
3: were supposed to have been here at 8 o'clock.
1: Oh, what's an hour if you tack it on to the end of the evening?
3: Well... I'm glad you've been keeping out of trouble. I can't stand it when you wander in all beat up. Mm, you smell nice. What kind of cologne is that?
1: Gunpowder, 38. What? Oh, nothing. What's this you were playing?
3: Oh, a new song. Again.
1: You were just dandy.
3: Well, you know I don't play well. I just pick.
1: You should be glad you don't play the guitar with those beautiful nails. You'd saw it in half.
3: <laughs> You're ridiculous.
1: Whoops. Oh, that wasn't a B-flat. Rick. Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Who do you love? I won't tell. Rick.
1: I love you, baby.
3: Then let's get married.
1: Uh, Hey, these are pretty good lyrics.
3: Now stop that.
1: Again. This couldn't happen again. I
3: hate you.
1: This is that once in a lifetime. This is that moment.
3: You never sing when I want you to.
1: What's more, this never happened
0: before,
1: though I have waited a lifetime for such as you to suddenly be mine. No comment? No. Mine to hold as I'm holding you now and yet. Never to part. Mine, too. Hey, what's the matter? Uh, don't go.
7: You want to sing?
3: Go ahead.
1: Well, what did you have in mind?
3: I won't
1: tell. I'm not being original. That's my line. Well, I'm mad. Come here. Come here. No. Come here. Huh? Helen. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Still mad? No. Mm. Well, let's get you mad again. It's so much fun making up. <laughs> Mine again. again. What's the name of the song again? <laughs> oh, it never happens again. Oh, God. Now.
2: Here's your milk, Mr. Diamond.
6: Oh, my goodness, you never warned me.
0: heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, Tal Avery, Herbert Butterfield, and Jack Petruzzi. Music was under the direction of David Baskerville. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by William P. Rousseau. Now this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. This program has come to you from Hollywood. Now NBC brings you a three-way cavalcade of grand comedy with Phil Harris and Alice Faye, Fred Allen and Henry Morgan, all following in fast succession over most of these NBC stations. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Here's Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective.
1: Hello there. My name's Diamond, and I'm known along the big street as a guy who manages to keep his nose pretty clean and still make a few bucks while I'm doing it. Oh, sure, it gets a little grimy, but you've got to expect that. I'm a shamus private eye gumshoe to the guy who hasn't ever been worried because he'd tripped over a corpse in his breakfast nook i'm known as a private detective and to some guys i'm known by a lot of other names not the kind you'd find in a book on manners and social usages but there are times when you might turn up on your desk calendar under the heading of what i must do today who hires me how do i make a living Well, maybe this will give you an idea.
7: Fred, why don't you eat your toast? It's getting cold.
1: Why don't you stop worrying about the temperature of my breakfast? I'm trying to read the paper.
7: Did anyone ever tell you how charming it is to have breakfast with you every morning?
6: Yeah. My ulcers.
7: I'd like to go shopping today. Will you leave me some money? Fred, did you hear me? Mary, I'm reading. Well, stop reading and listen to me for a minute. I need some new summer clothes, and I want to go shopping today.
0: Here. Here's ten bucks.
1: Buy yourself a bathing suit.
7: Oh, that's very funny. Hmm? I need more than ten dollars. I want five hundred.
6: What kind of a bathing suit are you going to buy, Mink?
7: I'm not going to buy a bathing suit. I need some new clothes. Will you put down that paper and listen to me?
1: Well, I see you made Jimmy Cello's column again, my darling. What? What prominent socialite is fighting with her wealthy husband and crying on the shoulder
0: of a big-time playboy after the arguments.
7: Is that... It's supposed to be me?
0: Can you remember five minutes in the past five years when we haven't been fighting? Are you
7: accusing me of running around with some playboy? Running around
0: is right. I expect one of you to be the first to do a four-minute mile. How
7: dare you? How
0: dare
1: me, why, you lushed-up little tramp. Tramp? Yeah, tramp. Everybody in town knows you're seeing Lauren
0: Oliver.
7: All right, so I've been seeing him. We're...
0: we're just friends. Well, that kind of friendship is grounds for divorce in this state.
7: Why, you oh, dirty...
0: I'm sick of this
6: whole rotten mess, and I'm going to do something about
7: it. You're going to do something about it? Why, you conceited, pompous! You're going to do something, are you? Well, you better hurry up because I've got some ideas of my own. Uh, yeah. Lauren. Yeah, yeah, Mary. I've got to talk to you. What time is? Ten it? o'clock. Well, still in the middle of the night. Call me back this later. This can't wait. Fred found an item about us in Jimmy Cello's column this morning. He stormed out of here like he was gonna kill somebody. Well, you're
5: just the gal who can recognize the symptoms.
7: Well, that's a nasty line. What do you
5: want at ten in the morning, Longfellow? Look, honey, I'll take care of Cello, and if that husband of yours gets out of line, I'll take care of him,
1: too. You see what I mean? If things like that didn't happen, I'd be out of business. I'll lay you eight to five that before three o'clock this afternoon, one of those charming people will be walking into my office begging for help. Yeah?
3: Rick?
1: Oh, hello, Helen, baby. Hi. You
3: gonna take me out
1: tonight? Sure, sure. I'll be over later. We'll have a quiet evening. No, no. I, I want
3: to go dancing tonight. If you don't take me, I'll throw
1: a tantrum. But, baby, I don't have the cash. I'm tapped this week.
3: Well, Let me take you, borrow it from Francis. You told me
1: yourself he was good in a pinch. Yeah, but he's already black and blue from those three lunches at Lindy's. Besides, he's not only your butler, but he's a darn good businessman. He wants security. Well, I'll give it to him. He's already got my badge, my book on the ten best ways to sneak through transoms, complete with illustrations, and my gun. Haven't you got
4: something
1: else? Yeah, but I'm saving the right eye in case of an emergency. Keyholes, you know. Look, honey, let's go take in a quiet movie and... I want
3: to get dressed up and go to a nightclub. It's summer. The flowers are blooming and the fox has left his lair.
5: His
1: what? Oh,
3: I've been hibernating all winter and I want to get out into some nice smoke-filled dance
5: floor. Why,
1: Helen. Why, Helen, nothing. Please, Now oh, Hold it. Someone's knocking at my chamber door. Come in. Mr. Diamond? Yeah, pull up a chair. I'll be right with you. I'm afraid to look. I haven't paid the light bill. This is a detective agency, isn't it? You, sir, have just won yourself a new economy home-size murder sampler, complete with a matching set of bodies. Me? No. I haven't got time to listen to your bright remarks, Diamond. I want to hire you. What did he say? He doesn't like my bright remarks. You won't even admit they're bright. What else? Oh, something about wanting to... Uh... Something about what? Uh, what was that last statement, sir? It sounded rather cozy. I said I wanted to hire you. What? I'll call you later, baby. Bye. Wait, wait a minute. I... I... Now, uh, Mr, uh... Sears. Mr. Sears, what can I do for you? I want you to follow my wife. Will I like the view? She's running around with another man. Well, if they're just running around, don't worry about it. It's when they get tired and slow down that things start to pop. There was a veiled article in Jimmy Cello's column this morning about my wife and this man. Yeah, I know Cello. So do I, but I'm not interested in Cello at the moment. Well, what do you want? Enough on your wife so you can get a divorce? Yes. Oh, well, that that comes kind of high. I don't like cases like this, and I usually turn them down. If you want me to swallow my pride, it'll take a $200 retainer and a hundred a day in expenses. I'll write you a check. Oh, oh, just like that, huh? I am quite wealthy. Hmm. That's why I want the divorce, Mr. Diamond. There you are. Yes, sir, there I am. Now, what's the man's name that your wife is uh, seeing? His name is Lorne Oliver. Well, this is turning into a family gathering. You know him? Sure, runs the Monarch Club. That's right. What's your wife's name, and we're going to get a look at her. Mary Sears. You can see her tonight at the Stork. We'll be there for dinner, 9 o'clock. I'll be there. Oh, uh, incidentally, that uh, comes under the heading of expenses, in case you have a short memory. I have a good memory, Mr. Diamond. You can send me the bill. Oh. Address and phone number? 45 East 65th Street. 45 East 65. Evergreen, 41793. E 41793. Now I've got to be going. Goodbye, Mr. Diamond. Uh, goodbye, Mr. Sears. Yeah? What'd you hang
3: up
1: on me for? Uh, honey, this is because you always give me an argument. You never want to go anywhere. I'm getting tired of shows and hot dogs. I want to go dancing. What? And I don't mean Roseland. I want to go to the Stork. I'm a growing boy, and I like to see the bright lights and throw my money around.
4: But, Rick, you... you
1: I'll my... pick you up at 8.30, and this time, don't wear slacks. <laughs> you're an idiot. Bye, idiot. Yes, that's the way it goes, just as I told you. The word private in front of detective means you're married to all the troubles in the world, and that includes everything. So if a guy turns up who's unhappy with his wife, you listen to him howl, and if he's got enough money, you take the job. It's for better or for worse... And until Mr. Sears came in, it was decidedly one-sided. I'd teach cooking to a bunch of headhunters for a fee like the one he'd given me. When I looked at his $200 check, I started getting that big man complex again. So I closed the office and went back to my flat. We'd probably be up late, and Helen always had some extracurricular activities after we'd get back to her place... You know, roasting marshmallows, fast game of canasta, or an exciting round of image on the living room rug. Anyway, I always got home pretty late in the A.M., so I spent the rest of the afternoon taking a nap. At 6 o'clock, I got up and dressed, and at 8.30, I picked up Helen. Wow. And at 9 o'clock, we were sitting at the Stark Club bar, right on schedule. Mm-hmm.
3: Rick, when are you going to ask for a table?
1: Well, honey, the drinks come faster here. But I want to dance. Oh, no, no, no! Mustn't overdo it, lover. No. How do you know? Maybe some mountain climber will ask you on a twenty-mile hike tomorrow. Think of your feet.
3: I am. I want to move them around that dance floor. Oh, Rick, I know you. If you do something. You do it all the way.
1: Yeah, let's neck. Oh, now you stop that.
3: You're on a job, and you don't want to go in there because you've got to watch somebody.
1: Well, Helen Asher, how are you, darling?
0: hello, Lauren. How have you been?
1: Oh, couldn't be better.
0: Why don't you ever stop over to my club? I'd like to show you around.
1: She just brought a seeing-eye dog. Oh, hello, Diamond. You
3: two
1: know each other, don't you? Yes. How did we make such a grisly mistake, Oliver? I don't know. I tried taking penicillin for it, but it didn't do much good. Well, it probably helped out in the other things. Why don't you try hanging yourself? Where? You always did think you were a pretty funny man, didn't you, Diamond? (laughs) It's easy being a comic. You just find an idiot for an audience. How do you like the performance? Thanks. Pardon me, Helen, but I see some people I
0: know. You'll excuse me, won't you, Diamond?
1: Oh, sure, yes. But the next time you drop around, bring uh, some airwick, huh?
7: Rick, even if you don't like him, you shouldn't say those things. He's liable to start a fight.
1: Uh, he wouldn't take a swing at a midget if he was riding an elephant.
3: I wonder who his friends are. They don't seem to be too glad to see him.
1: That name's Sears.
3: Is that who you're watching?
1: Yeah, The wife.
3: I don't know whether I approve or not. She's very
1: attractive. Isn't she,
3: though?
1: Rick! This is business, baby, business. I'm only drooling because I haven't had anything to eat since this morning.
3: Well, then let's get a table. You've seen her. You've observed what she's doing. Now let's get something to eat.
1: Now, uh, wait a minute. Here comes somebody else I know. Where? Standing at the check room. The little man? Yeah, here comes. Who is he? Name's Cello, oh. Jimmy Cello. Writes a gossip column.
7: I read it all the
5: time. All yeah? right, uh, hello, Jimmy. Well, 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 the Broadway Shamus. Who's the uh,
1: lovely redhead, Diamond? Helen, meet James Cello, but be careful what you say. Jimmy, Helen Asher.
5: (laughs) Hello, Mr. Cello.
1: How do you do? Is this an item, Rick? If I don't get us a table soon, she's going to make me give back her sorority (laughs)
5: picture. Oh, uh, speaking of tables, I see some people I know. Uh, Nice meeting you, Miss Asher. Thank you. Goodbye, Diamond.
1: Bye,
3: Jimmy. Rick,
5: he's going over to see her table. Hello, Walter. Hi, Dal. Hi. Well, well, good evening. What do you want, Cello? Oh, just drop by to see how the happy little family was getting along?
1: Well, just drop away. Nobody asked you to stop by. Yeah, why don't you do that? And take Oliver here with you. And Nobody asked him to stop by Fred, either. keep
7: your voice down.
1: This is my table, and I don't like a lot of crumbs lying all the over hose it. Who's oh. a crumb? Come
5: on, Lorne. I guess Mr. Sears has forgotten a few things.
1: I haven't forgotten a thing, Chella. When you print one thing in that lying
5: sheet of yours, and I'll have you sued for life. Listen, Sears, if I did print anything, they'd put you away so far, they'd have to pipe air into you.
7: Oh, do go on, Mr. Cello. This is getting interesting. You'd better
0: get out of here, Cello. No, no, no. Go on, Cello. What have you got on old money bag?
5: He's a lying, dirty gossip monger. He doesn't have uh, a thing. Wait a minute. I don't like that. Why don't you ask your husband about North Africa sometime, Mrs. Sears? Why, well, <laughs> just stop it, a minute. Stop
7: it. Stop, it. stop it.
5: All right, now pick yourself up and get out of here, Cello. Yeah, maybe you're right. I've got a column to get out. It'll be all about you, Sears, in big type. Go on, get out.
0: How about me? To throw me out, too. You can bet your life I am. Oh, I'm
7: getting out of here. You
0: stay right where you are. Don't talk that way to Mary. I'll talk any way I like to my wife. Don, maybe
7: you'd better leave.
0: Here come the waiters. Now it's I'm gonna push this spat slob's face in. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, don't, don't, oh, push him, boys. All right, all right,
7: come,
1: come on, break it up, break it up. Come on. Hey, waiter, give me a hand. Come on, you take your hands off me, Diamond. Now calm down, Mr. Sears. I'll kill that slob. Oliver, you get... shut up, or I'll pull your pants up over your head and shove You're... you in a glass like a breadstick. I don't like people meddling in my affairs, Diamond. You're a I'm what? You heard me. Now take your filthy hands off me. Ah, well, you were Lily White before I palmed that check of yours this morning. You can have it back. Here, eat it.
4: Oh.
7: I'll
1: have you in jail for this, Diamond. Why, it isn't every day you get to eat a $200 check. Oh,
7: Rick, let's get out of here.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, baby, but that's what happens when you go to work for a hyena like Sears. You think he's a nice guy because he laughs so much. But you find out later it's only because he chewed your leg off. We left Sears still spitting out pieces of the check I'd shoved down his throat and headed for Helen's apartment. I was sore. When I get hot under the collar, I don't make for good company. So I dropped her off with a kiss and went back to my flat and climbed in the sack. I smoked a dozen cigarettes before I got to sleep. And when I finally did, it must have been with a big smile on my face. All night, I kept dreaming that Lauren Oliver and Fred Sears were beating themselves to death with hot paper sacks No, this is a sunshine market. Locks popovers are specialty. Now you stop clowning and get over here right away. Walt? Lieutenant Levinson. Oh, wow, oh. Where are you? I'm in your office. Yeah? What well, if any clients come in? Give them a good sales talk. Tell them how many people you've killed or something. There's
6: a guy in your office
1: now. Prospect?
6: Depends on what you're talking about. I
1: think his name is Fritz Sears. Uh, tell him to go home. He canned me last night. I don't think he'll listen. All right, all right. So he's sore got a right to be. He's dead. Stop acting like an idiot, Walt. You know I didn't have anything to do with it. I know you didn't, but we find the stiff
6: in your office and we get a report that he fired you last night that you had a fight with him. I got to tell the commissioner something, Rick. Tell him
1: Sergeant Otis is teething. Now you stop that. No, what do you know about the killing? The coroner just left. He said that Sears had been dead about eight hours. The cleaning woman found him at nine this morning and called us. Mm, That puts the time of the murder around 1 a.m. We found this clenched in the dead man's hands. What is it? An article torn out of the morning papers. Here, read it. Ah, Jimmy Cello's column. Read it. All right, I will. Don't yell at me. Ah, Fred Sears, wealthy import-export man, is having troubles. He's finding it hard to explain about his past doings in North Africa, and at the same time, he's finding it just as hard to explain his wife's interest in the local playboy nightclub owner, Lauren Oliver. He got so mad at the Stark Club... Oh, I was there. I was there. He got so mad at the Stark Club last night that he took a poke at your columnist and then tried to beat up Lauren Oliver. Will this lead to a rematch between Oliver and Sears? We're having the whole bunch of them picked up. Walt, Walt, before you do that, give me a couple of hours, will you? Try to dig up your killer? I can't. You know what we've got to do. It's routine. Well, the commissioner's already having fits every time he hears my name. Now, look, Walt, I got a business to protect. And if he finds out the stiff was killed in my office, he'll probably haul in my license. Yeah. One hour, Rick. That's all I can give you. I got a job, too. Oh, thanks, Walt. I suppose you've got an alibi for one o'clock. Call Helen. We were toasting marshmallows. Well, I had three good suspects. Lauren Oliver, Cello, the columnist, and Mrs. Sears. One of the three was built just right for the electric chair. An hour isn't much time to dig up a killer, so I grabbed a cab and headed for Lauren Oliver's office in the back of his club.
3: Yeah, come in.
1: How are you, Oliver? Oh, what do you want, Diamond? Not particular about who comes into my club. Oh, I'm surprised you can operate with that kind of policy. People probably see you in here every night. I think I'll have you thrown out. were you at 1 o'clock this morning. None of your business. Herman? Yeah, boss? Come in here and show a guy out of my office. Oh, we get rough, huh? Yeah. Okay, okay, I'll let you tell the cops who knocked off Fred Sears.
4: Hey, this the guy? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you say someone knocked off Fred Sears? That's right, but don't start crying about it. It makes me feel so helpless. I'll tell my story to the cops. Well, they'll get a lot tougher than I will. You won't get tough at all, Mac. Oh, stop flexing, Herman. He'll snap your girdle. Well, I guess it doesn't make much difference as long as Sears is dead. Now, I was with his wife from about 12 o'clock to... Well, it was a long time after one. Well, where were you all that time? At my place. And I'll take a walk, Shamus. You got my alibi. One more question. Did you go out at all? Yeah, I went out and got the late papers. So what? I like to read. Okay, okay. You don't mind if I stop by and see Mrs. Sears, do you? No, go ahead. I'll see you later. Oh, Herman. Yeah? You can let the air out now. Your muscles are lovely. <laughs> Well, Oliver had a good story if it checked, so that left me with two more stops. Cello's newspaper office was the closest, so I grabbed another cab, and ten minutes later, I was sitting at his desk.
5: Ah, oh, you don't think I had anything to do with it, do you, Diamond? Wherever you had one this morning. I was covering a party at Richard Gray's. I was with friends from about 11 o'clock till after 3. You can check. Go on, check.
1: Look, poison pen. Sayers had your column from the late edition clenched in his hand.
5: He, he did, huh? Well, you don't think if I was going to kill a man, I'd leave anything like that around? I don't know. Well, obviously, someone is trying to make it look like I did it. Have you talked with Oliver and Sears' wife?
1: Oliver's got an alibi, and I'm headed for Mrs. Sears' place right now. You know the address? Yes, yeah. 45 East 65th.
5: But Mrs. Sears couldn't kill her husband. I know her too well.
1: No? Well, thanks, Cello. I'll check your alibi. If it stands up, then I'll have to really go to work on Mrs. Sears. <laughs> Sears? Yes. Oh, you look even better up close.
7: What's on your mind?
1: You mean right this minute?
7: Well, aren't you nice. Don't crowd me, though. I can keep up a pretty good average in this league.
1: I'd say about a thousand. Mm -hmm. May I come in?
7: I think so. If you keep talking, I like to hear nice things.
1: Well, you deserve them. But I can think of some nice things to say about a panther.
7: We'll talk about my family some other time. Can I buy you a drink?
1: It's a little early, unless you got some milk. Milk? Where's your husband?
7: Oh, you know about him, huh? Oh, I'm sorry. It's looked as though it might work into quite a friendship. Where is he? I haven't seen him since last night. Why? Is he a friend of yours?
1: He's been using my office.
7: Oh?
1: Yeah. yeah he died there last night. What? Everybody is so surprised.
7: But uh, how? Who did it?
1: That's what I'm trying to find out, lover. Where were you at 1 a.m.?
7: That's none of your business.
1: Okay. Let the law drag it out of you. Goodbye, dear. Uh,
7: wait a minute. All right, I'll tell you. I was with a man named Oliver, Lorne Oliver.
1: Oh, for how long?
7: From about 12 o'clock to, well, much later.
1: That's what Oliver says. Did you go out at all?
7: Just to get the papers.
1: That checks with Oliver's story, too. Did you go out alone?
7: I, uh, Uh, no, I I went with Lorne.
1: He says he went out alone.
7: Oh, well, yes, yes, he did.
1: I thought you said you went out with him.
7: Well, that was later. Lorne was the one that went out to get the papers.
1: Okay, what time is it?
7: Oh. About two. When
1: you both went out or when Lauren went out to get the papers by himself?
7: Uh, when Lauren went out.
1: Oh, yes. Now, now I see. Well, I, I'll, I'll see you later. I'll
7: come back again. Oh, I'll do
1: that after you get over crying for your late husband. I'll
7: keep my emotions down to a minimum.
1: I'll bet you will. I left her standing in the middle of the room looking after me like a vegetarian with an eye on a green salad. I closed the door and started down the hall for the elevators. For some reason, I never seem to get where I'm going. Hello. Hmm?
2: <clears throat> oh. Now, while you're still tuned in, Diamond, I'll give you some advice. Stay away from Mrs. Sears. Now I want you to be sure and get the point. <clears throat> Rick, Rick, come on,
6: snap out of it. Uh-huh. I'll go away. Hey, come on, you don't look so good.
1: Uh, it matches the way I feel. Oh, here's a new line. Where am I, Walt? In Mrs. Sears' apartment.
7: Hello, handsome.
1: <sighs> she heard the scuffle in the hall, came out, found you, and called me. Swell. Who did it? I didn't see him, but his voice sounded like a thug that Lauren Oliver keeps around, a patty cake with.
7: Oh, that was probably Herman. Lauren is so jealous.
1: <gasps> well, your hour is up, and now I'm going to haul them all in, including this Herman.
4: Oh,
7: do you
1: know Herman, Walt? Sure, Herman Sharp. Got a record a mile long. Walt, if a guy wanted to hire a killer, where would he go? You know all the stoolies as well as I do. Yeah. Mrs. Sears, what was the fight about last night at the stork?
7: Oh, a columnist named named Cello threatened my husband that he was going to print something in his paper. He said something about North Africa, and Fred hit him.
1: North Africa? This is really getting mixed up. Was your husband ever in North Africa?
7: Yes, during the war. He was a captain in the army.
1: Walt, what? Can you get me this Herman Sharp's address? He's the boy I want. Sure, but I'm coming along. Have your boys pick up Cello, Oliver, and take them both down to the station along with Mrs. Sears here.
7: Well, you don't think I had anything to do with it, do you?
1: I've known Jimmy Cello a long time. About five years ago, he used to run around with a little dancer named Mary Carroll.
7: Sure he did. I'm Mary Carroll, but I broke up with him when I met Fred.
1: Yeah, well, you'll see him at the station. You can pick up where you left off. Come on, (laughs) Walt. We went down fast and climbed into the prowl car. Walt put in a call and got Herman's address over the two-way radio. Twenty minutes later, we were standing in front of Herman's door. It was an old apartment house on the lower east side. I started for the door, but Walt had other ideas. Rick, we can't go in there. Why not? Because I haven't got a search warrant. Well, you got to go in if you want to crack this case. Not without a search warrant. Search warrant for what? To go in. What do you want to go in for? I don't want to go in. You do. Do what? Go in. Well, go ahead. I haven't got a warrant. What are you looking for? Herman Sharp. He's probably in there. He is? Sure. Well, what are we waiting for? Oh, what did I do that for? For that. What? Herman Sharp. Oh. Uh, Is he dead? Yeah, been shot. What are you looking at? Newspaper on the floor. This morning's. Um oh. Shall columns missing? Been torn out. Then Herman's your killer. Swell. Who killed Herman? Don't you know? I'm not going to start that again. Walt, well, go on back to the station. I'm going to check something and make a phone call. I'll be down in half an hour and point out your killer.
5: Now, calm down. Calm down, everybody. This is ridiculous. I want my lawyer. You'll get one later. Relax, Oliver. They can't hold up much longer. How do you feel,
7: Mary? I don't like this any more than you do.
1: Well, good afternoon, and happy Father's Day. Rick, Rick, where the devil have you been? Made a phone call to Washington, Walt. Mrs. Sears, did you know that your husband had a dishonorable discharge from the Army? Why, no. You knew it, didn't you, Cello? That's
5: right, but I kept it quiet. He got it for running a black market.
1: What's this got to do with the death of Sears? Oliver, you told me you went out to get the papers last night. That's right. What time was it? Uh, A little after two. You know what time the late edition comes up. How about you, Mrs. Sears?
7: Uh, What Lorne says is correct. How about it, Lorne?
1: Were you the one to go out and get the papers? Uh, yes. Uh, Then, Mrs. Sears, why did you tell me this afternoon that you also went out to get the papers?
7: Well, I... Mary,
1: don't say anything. You don't have to. The stories don't check, so you couldn't have been together last night. Look, Diamond, what is this... Oh, now you look, Oliver. You're both liars. But that doesn't make either one of you the killer. Oh,
6: but Rick, Cello's alibi checks right
1: down the line. Sure it does, because he was at that party... But the killer wasn't. Oh, we know that. He couldn't have been. Yeah, but the man who hired the killer to knock off Sears was. What are you talking about, Diamond? Oliver, where was your hired gun if last night? You mean Herman? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. He was with me until 6 o'clock, then he left. Walt, when you find Herman's gun, ballistics will probably say that it was the one that did the job on Sears. Herman? Yeah. Cello, you hired Herman to kill Sears, and then you killed Herman. Well, you're out of your mind. I didn't even know this Herman. We found the newspaper next to Herman's body. It had your column torn out of it.
5: That doesn't pin anything on me. It just shows you that Herman probably stuck that article in Sears' hand after tearing it out of a newspaper.
1: That's, you, that's what you wanted to make it look like. You knew Herman. You knew about the clipping, so you killed him and tore the column out of this morning's newspaper.
5: Of course I knew about the clipping. You told me about it this morning in my office.
1: That's right. But you were the only one I told about it.
5: You couldn't convict Jack the Ripper on that kind of evidence. I'm
1: afraid he's right, Rick. <laughs> Jello. what time does the late edition come out? About 2 o'clock. Walt. What time was Sears killed? Around one. Say. Yeah, yeah. The killer couldn't have gotten hold of that column at one o'clock. The papers weren't even out on the street. Well, then how did he do it? Only one man could have gotten that column before 1 a.m., the man who wrote it. Jimmy. He tore it out of the galley sheets. The proofs that are made up before the paper goes to press. Cello hired Herman, gave him the clippings, and then went to the party. Oh, you're doing great, Diamond. Keep it up. You're still in love with Mary Sears. You were jealous of Oliver, so you hired Oliver's boy Herman, figuring the cops would pin Sears' murder on Oliver. How am I doing? You're a good liar and a rotten detective. You knew I'd go to see Mary Sears, so you sent Herman to beat me up and make it look like Oliver was behind it. What? You tried to frame Oliver all along the line. Boy, you cheap little scandal snooper. I'll fix it so you I'll don't blame anybody. Wait a again. minute. Do all right, break
5: it up. Come, Come on. Out. Break
8: it up. Break it
5: up. Hey,
1: Walt.
6: What
4: is it, Rick? Bye. <laughs>
1: Good evening, Mr. Diamond. Uh, evening, Francis. Miss Asherin?
2: Yes, sir. She's in the library. She's a little tired from last night.
7: I, I think she's taking a nap.
1: Well, I'll walk on my tippy toes. How about a glass of warm milk, Francis? I'm a little tired, too.
7: Uh, yes, sir. Right away, sir.
1: Well, look at the little baby.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, has not we rain. Poor, really tired baby. The evening breeze caress the trees tenderly. All right. The trembling trees embrace the breeze tenderly. Hello, baby. Don't stop. All right. Close your eyes. Then you and I... I came wandering by How wonderful And lost in all were we
5: Ricky The shore was
4: kissed
5: by sea and mist tenderly
7: Ricky
1: I can't forget how two hearts met breathlessly
3: Ricky, come here
1: opened wide And closed me inside
3: Ricky, come here.
4: Uh, what is it, dear?
1: Just this.
5: Mm. Here's your milk, mister. Oh, my goodness.
7: Now, this time I refuse to blush. <laughs>
0: You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, High Averbach, Joan Banks, Parley Bear, and Sidney Miller. Music was under the direction of David Baskerville. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by William P. Rousseau. Now this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective. This program has come to you from Hollywood. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.